This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. It is The Big Show. I'm Gordon Monson. Patrick Kinahan sitting in for Jake Scott and Austin driving the bus back in the studio. We're here at Homey. And, uh, PK, we are fortunate enough to uh, talk with the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. How are you, David? I'm good. Patrick Kinahan. How are you? Oh, I I couldn't be better. I don't know that I've ever been better, actually. (laughs) I I miss you. We should get together. Unless you don't want to. I've been waiting for that invite. All right, what do you want to do? Golf, eat food at your house, go in your hot tub. I don't have a hot tub. <laughs> so that'd be really weird. We'll buy one. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait um, David, he wants you to buy a hot tub so you will invite him to his house to sit in it. Yeah, yeah. So we can sit in a hot tub together. Yeah, no, I've heard this whole conversation really clearly. I'm, a, I, I'm somewhat concerned. Yeah. <laughs> if you could do anything and pick PK as your wingman or as your partner in such crime, what would you pick to do, David? Crime? Does it have to be a crime or just no, an event? No, no, just anything. Obviously, it would be pick up chicks. <laughs> I wasn't going there. I wasn't sitting in a hot tub with you, and I wasn't going out picking up chicks with you. Those were not two of the things that were on top of my mind. Uh, all right, you got your golf invite now. That is like sounds fine and safe. Um, yeah, that, that's a good one. Go off, because PK. I actually, I, I actually mean this is a great compliment to PK. Two things. Um, one, I would go on a long drive with PK, not romantic. Just like if we were heading somewhere <laughs> on a road trip, I would be up for doing that with PK. I think he'd be interesting. Um, and then, um, I, you know, one of my favorite moments since I returned back was the day he and I drove down to Provo and watched a BYU game together. So. Any sporting event where we can talk about it beforehand and after, I'm up for with PK. Yeah, the lot not in a hot tub back. and not picking up chicks. He was just coming <laughs> back to town, and I think that uh, the Cougars were playing Arizona, so he wanted to you know, way back, and I don't even know if he had a car yet when he was back in Utah. So I took him down there, and, and I don't remember who won, but that was like his introduction because he was getting ready to start again a couple weeks later, whatever it was. And uh, then we went out to eat. And we went out to a little salad place right down here in Draper. And I'm eating, and I take, like, one bite, and then Locke's done, and he's looking at me with these big eyes. What are we going to do now? (laughs) (laughs) And he's already done. (laughs) I've, like, taken two bites, and he's done. (laughs) I don't remember this at all. Oh, it's a truce. I couldn't believe how fast you ate your meal. I was in a hurry. The only thing I – you know what I remember about that day is we're at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And we get in the elevator, and Lavelle Edwards gets in the elevator <laughs> at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and there's some kid in the elevator, and he says, hi, I'm Lavelle, to the kid. Like, okay, well, the whole place is named after you, sir. So like, <laughs> but, of course, he's Lavelle. Still, you know, if he was still with us, God rest his soul, would still probably have his voice on his voicemail or on his whatever answer machine home when you ever called the Edwards home. Hi, this is the Edwards. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, th- I'll tell you, David, can you imagine? I mean, he was so humble about that. He's, like you said, his name is on the side of the freaking building, and he's like the nicest guy there. One of a yeah, kind. He was, yeah. he was certainly one of a kind. Well, we were so lucky, frankly, because 
each of the coaches in that time period were one of a kind, right? Like Ronnie, it, Ronnie's the same. So Ronnie and Lavelle were these two guys that just had this incredible aspect of who they are and um, in that way. And I, I think Kalani and Kyle are closer to that than probably we realize. I'm not sure that the world lets them be that what they would like to be, frankly, anymore. I have a theory that BYU would be a lot better as an independent if Coach Edwards was the coach because if he went into your home, it would be so hard to say no to that man mm. that they would get better players. It's interesting. I mean, I, I got asked the other day um, by Tony and Austin about the independent thing. I mean, I was probably the biggest trumpeter of this prior to even leaving, right? So, I mean, I, I was remember. big into yeah, BYU going independent in 97, 98. Yeah. Oh, I remember Before it. I left to go to Seattle. Right. Um, I want, you know, I probably have to reevaluate and question whether I was right or not. I mean, I, I don't think I understood two things in that conversation. I don't think I understood how much it would hurt the basketball program. Um, and I don't think I understood November. I don't think I quite got that. Now, does that make it the wrong move? I, I don't know. I mean, um, they're making more money probably out of it. And, um, but it does, you know, I don't, you know, it's hard, hard to tell. I, I still don't know what's right or wrong on that one, but I, I do think that those are two areas that as probably the first person who trumpeted this idea, um, or at least really passionately, I, I think I may have misunderstood those two aspects. Since we're going down memory lane here a little bit, David, I remember early on in my time here, you and I went to uh, one of the big five huddles and Lavelle used to, I mean, he used to slice Ronnie up pretty good. I mean, he had such a quick wit and, and Ron would try to be funny and Lavelle would just, I mean, and then you fast forward until uh, re- more recently before Lavelle passed away, you know, they were doing that show together with Hanson Scotty. And they were talking football and whatnot. And Lavelle was a little long in the tooth at that time. And he'd get lost a little bit mentally. And Ron would gently bring him back to the topic at hand with such care and such respect. That's one of my favorite memories of those two is how much, uh, how deeply Ron cared about Lavelle. And the feeling was mutual from Lavelle's side. Well, and I think the essence of the Big Five huddle is the essence of Laval and then maybe Ronnie is that the Big Five huddle was really for Weber State, Southern Utah, and Utah State, right? Like, that's who benefited from the Big Five huddle. BYU and Utah weren't short on coverage, but Laval and Ronnie knew that if they showed up for a lunch, then Dave Arslinian and whoever the Utah State coach at the time was, I can't remember, um, you know, and the Southern Utah's coach could fly up and Charlie Weatherby uh, might have been the head coach at Utah State at the time, Mm -hmm. and and that those coaches were working just as hard as they were, and so they could get publicity and get coverage by Lavelle and Ron being willing to host this event. That, that, That was the only reason that event went on was because it promoted the other schools and those two guys were willing to do it. Um, and maybe someone before Ronnie, I don't know, um, if Jim Fossil, that, if that preceded me, Jim Fossil, um, did it or whoever else before Ronnie. So, but it's to the credit of Lavelle, frankly, that that event ever took place because he just understood that everyone's working just as hard as he was. And so why shouldn't he, why shouldn't he help him out? Did you get an opportunity to watch that USA Australia game? I did not. I apologize. Three o'clock in the morning for an exhibition game. Um, not, not in my list of things I was planning on doing. My bad. 
Yeah, Maybe. I didn't watch it either. Gordon asked me that, and I thought he was a stupid question, too. But I, I didn't expect you to watch it live. I thought maybe um, some, some tape that you broke down or what have you. Uh, I have not gone back to watch it. I, I mean, some of the World Cup stuff, I'm pretty curious to see as it plays out. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's just, you know, the idea that Donovan's been named a captain and, and all this is going on, I think, is a really tremendous experience for Donovan. And, um, and talking to people that are, um, you know, trainers and things like that. They actually all think this is good for these guys. That the the fact of the matter is that you, um, you know, that you're going to you what these guys need is a run, and this is about as good a run as you can get. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be in game shape and ready to go. Um, and I think the burden on him here is big. Like this is big. Like he and Kemba are carrying this team, and you know, I don't know if he's totally ready for that. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with it. He's still a very young player. I think we still have to remember it wasn't he was on the bench halfway through his sophomore year at Louisville, so he's only been a go-to guy for a limited amount of time in his career, and here he is the, you know, he and Kemba are carrying the load for the USA. It's going to be kind of kind of great for him to watch. David, we talked about uh, Donovan's role on the Jazz coming up, and uh, how important is it for him to be aggressive, to have an aggressive mindset, even in, as, as a part of Team USA? Because when he comes back to the Jazz. You have Mike Conley, you have Bogdanovich, you have uh, Jeff Green, you have these other guys who are new. But he, do you expect him to be as aggressive as he's ever been, even more so than what we've seen in the past, even though he's going to have more help at the offensive end? He took 19.9 shots a game last year. I hope he takes 19.9 shots again this year. I have no problem with his usage. I think there'll be easier shots. I think there'll be better shots. Uh, I think they'll be less forced than they were a year ago. Um, but I, I have no problem with his usage or his shot volume being exactly the same as it was um, last year. And, you know, I hope he's a bit more efficient, as I've said probably more than I should. I don't would like to get rid of that floater. Um, the fact that he took the second most amount of shots of anyone in the league other than Pascal Siakam in the paint non-restricted area, I would like to see go away. And he now has teammates that are good enough so he can continue that dribble through the lane on the Nash dribble and get it out to other people. Um, I think what really gets exciting about the Jazz is if Donovan, and, and I'm keeping Donovan at that usage rate, is if Donovan can go create things for everybody else. So Mike Conley has never played with a Donovan Mitchell in his career ever. I mean, if you look at the guards and wings he's played with, they're poor. And then you dig into the numbers and you look at Mike Conley. And if Mike Conley on an unguarded catch and shoot last year, his effective field goal percentage was 76%. 76. He was 51 of 99. And obviously a bunch of those were threes on unguarded. He only got 99 all year. That's less than one. That's like one a game. He's in the 96th percentile of that. Well, you know what? That's not a fluke. You go back and look at two years ago, it's the exact same number. Well, okay, that's what Donovan's got to do. Go look at Bojan Bonjanovic. You know, Bojan starts to get, Bogdanovic starts to get these same kind of looks where Donovan brings the defense and kicks it out. You know, his effective field goal percentage was 63% on unguarded catch and shoots. He's actually one of the best guarded shooters in the league. So he's even a late shot clock guy we can go to and do some things with. These are the things that I think is what Donovan can do for the Jazz, and that's why I don't want his usage rate to go down, is I think he can open up all these opportunities for everybody else. I mean, Joe Ingles is probably the, you know, you talk to the numbers don't back it up, but if you talk to Joe last year, he just didn't feel like he was open at all. 
that he had any chance. Well, this is a guy whose effective field goal percentage on open shots was 65% last year. So if we can start getting everybody else open looks because of Donovan's action, then let's let Donovan go to work and create those. Do you think that uh, O'Neal starts and Ingles comes off the bench? Not on September 23rd. Maybe by January 2nd. There's, I could see something something evolving, um, whether it's Jeff Green or Royce O'Neal or Joe Ingles. But I, I could see it evolve. Um, but I think it's Joe's call. I think I think Joe's earned that, and I think Quinn will, you know, without not running the show, like I think it'll be one of those things where Quinn looks at Joe and says, you know, let's go to work. One of my listeners emailed me something interesting last night I thought was a really good point. He was he was at the game in Australia, and he was talking about how bad the pick and roll was with Aaron Baines and Bogut and Joe Ingles. Um, Joe and Rudy were actually pretty good, um, but Rudy's a great roller, and obviously Joe and Derek were great. The numbers actually, just so everyone knows, Joe and Rudy were actually as good. Um, but what jumps out to me in that regard is that, quite honestly, Ed Davis is not a good pick and roll guy and, and has not been in his career. So, so how, how is Joe going to find those opportunities um, in the pick and roll with the second unit? Everyone keeps talking about that and wanting to move Joe to the second unit. I, I, I actually am not sure I think that's the right move at all. Um, I might find myself going the other direction, which is let's let Bojan Bogdanovic be a second unit guy. And he showed last year he could be the number one option on Indiana after Oladipo went out and averaged 20 points a game. Let's let him be the first one that checks out early, not waste his time on the floor with Conley and Donovan the whole time, and then have Bo- and have Bogdanovich coming and playing second units and, and doing a lot of stuff. Because I'm not convinced the second unit's going to be able to play a pick-and-roll game in the same capacity that they have in the past. I think that's going to be the impact where, where, where you miss uh, the services of, of, Joe, of Derek Favors is that – Ed Davis does a lot of things well. That is not something Ed Davis does well. Ed Davis, as a screener last year, was just not in the same class as as um, as those guys. I mean, he's he's okay, but he's just he doesn't roll the basket in that same in that same manner. David, I probably asked you this question before, but uh, I think 25 years ago you told me that radio is not linear, different time, different day. But I'm going to ask you the question again for our listeners now. How long will it take the Jazz to reach their peak form with these new parts? Oh, I don't think it's um, – I had to look up what linear meant. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't think it's going to take very long. I, may, you know, the coaches will, who I've spent some time with this offseason will kill me for this comment if any of them are listening right now. I just – I think these guys are pros – um, I think they understand the game. I, I don't think it's that complicated. Um, maybe some of the guys will understand how great Rudy is and it'll take them a little time. I mean, it took Rubio a while to understand that he had to stop gambling and stop taking risks because Rudy's so damn good that there's no value to taking that risk. Um, and so maybe we'll see that out of, you know, some of these guys. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's, going to be that hard. Um, and I'm actually finding myself even to the other point, I'm finding myself not believing in continuity um, anywhere near the way we always talk about it after watching the jazz last year. I, I didn't necessarily think it gave them a great advantage last year. 
um, that they knew each other. In fact, I thought it was a disadvantage as the year went on. Um, it clearly didn't help Boston at all last year to have that continuity. It was a disadvantage as the year goes on. I think it's going to bite Denver this year. Um, it's not the same team. It's not the same guys. People have left and, and they come back and they come back different people with different expectations, different years in their contracts with different desires. And when you try to recreate something, it would be continuity if the season never ended, but the season's over. So there's no continuity that by definition is flawed to me. So I think there's a great value and a great spark. The fact that Mike Conley's learning how to play with Donovan, but they can figure that. I don't think it's that complicated. Well, David, thanks for joining us. PK, as we speak, I think is booking a moonlight cruise with uh, you and him uh, together. Just at night? What time do you need to play? PK, let's get into it right now. Let's do it. When do you need to play? What time do you need? What time do I need? Like, uh, what time? Like, what's the earth? Like, you got a morning show to do. You got work to do. Oh, yeah. Like, we're playing. Afternoon. What? afternoon? Like, Park City, you can get up here by noon? I said afternoon so 1201 yeah <laughs> all right okay I'll, I'll make the time i'll email you i'll text you in a few minutes that's one of his favorite courses by the way you love it up there don't you uh he's talking about his country club oh, he's not okay. talking about park city oh okay all right all right david thanks a lot man you know hey, about man. the dress code right tk let it all hang out <laughs> okay I knew that was coming. Yeah, oh, why? I was afraid of that. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. You know, David James deserves, like, a lot. A paycheck on the 1st and 15th, and he's been getting it for almost 18 years. <laughs> Get it without All you, huh? All right, David. Thanks, man. Appreciate you joining us. See ya. David Locke, there you have it. <laughs> Emily, we keep introducing you with all kinds of weird conversations. Yeah, going I on love there. that. Let it all hang out. <laughs> yeah, we're trying not to wow. let anything hang out here. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Just an expression. Hey, no, it's okay. I'm I work at Homey, you can imagine. So <laughs> Tell our listeners a little bit about Homey. Some of them uh have learned a little bit about it, some of them don't know that much about it. What what were the key points you want folks to know? Yeah, so our big thing is we are here to save people money in what usually is a very expensive transaction, whether you're buying, selling, getting a loan, doing the title work, all of it can be very expensive, especially when added up. And so we just have started our business with the whole design in mind to save people thousands of dollars. And they're doing amazing things with those thousands they save, like golfing, going on moonlight cruises, <laughs> trips, all sorts of stuff. So your dreams could come true if you use Homie to sell all those homes, PK. <laughs> I've noticed there's, oh, I've been here a few times and this room is packed. How many folks you got going? Um, so we're at about 185 right now total. That's with our showing agents, our realtors that are here helping with the contract work, um, our title and loan side, everything about, so we're pretty big. I mean, we've grown quite a bit in the past two years, two and a half years since I've been here. What's the weirdest property you've ever sold? The weirdest property? Oh, I... Anything unusual? Anything crazy? You know what? I... I can't say myself. I'm on our marketing team, so I haven't done a lot of the mm. selling. I wish I could tell you weirdest one, huh? But there's no big or small. No, no. I mean, we do all the way from tiny condos up to million-dollar homes. We just helped somebody close a $2 million home. It was homie to homie, so they saved about $60,000. Wow. That's a lot of money. Sure. I mean, that's and that's money they wouldn't have saved if they had gone the traditional route. That's literally just money that was sitting there that they would have given to an agent. That's like throwing in a, a free car. On a that. really nice car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here, have a Tesla with your... <laughs> <laughs> it 
comes with the deal. Yeah, it comes with the Tesla. You know, if you said it that way, I think it's almost like people need to realize how much value that is. Yeah, I mean, this is real money. And like when you're buying, we basically pay you up to $5,000 to just use us to buy your home. It's crazy. We're just giving money back to the people where it belongs. If, I, if we handed you PK $5,000, what would you do with it? Give it to Emily. Oh, that's so You're sweet. You're such a terrible <laughs> And I'd guy. buy some hand sanitizer and <laughs> and some pants for PK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Show her how much I appreciate oh. the work she's doing. <laughs> Emily, thanks a lot for having us out here. We'll talk Thank with you again. You. Yep, we'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Paradise and put up a fucking line with a pink hotel of boots. You're gonna swing in hot spot. Don't it on PK? I gotta tell you, every once in a while, athletes will do something that you just kind of shake your head at a little bit. I saw a, a clip of James Harden appearing on a radio show. And he was uh, whining, really, about why he didn't win the MVP, blaming it on the media narrative. Oh, that, that's fresh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, Giannis had a terrific year. I understand that that, uh, that Harden did some nice things and memorable things. His quote it's was, one one. it was one for the books, uh, one they'll remember even when I am gone. But Giannis had a terrific year, too, so he's complaining. I Nobody just shook cares. my head at that. And the other one, what's going on with Justin Verlander? Let me tell you about cryotherapy first. If you want a better health and to feel better, check out the Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy and ask about the Zone listener specials on cryotherapy. IV drips, hyperbaric oxygen treatment, and more. Visit Restore.com for more details. So Justin Verlander is a premier pitcher, right? And two years ago, he was traded – uh, I think in a trade deadline deal to the Houston Astros, they go on and win the World Series, and they're really good. They're a favorite this year. You know, they picked up Granky and they got Cole. The three of those guys are star pitchers. So he pitches last night against Detroit, his old team. He only gives up two hits, but they're both solo home runs, and the Astros lose 2-1. So the Detroit Free Press Tigers writer goes in the locker room with the rest of the media. Security tells him, you can't go in. Okay, the Baseball Writers Association issued me a credential. I've got it. I've been doing this for several years. What do you mean I can't go in? No, we're not letting you in. Justin Verlander had told them that he did not want this man in the locker room. So they followed through with what he requested. And then he went on, and he's on Twitter, Verlander. And Verlander's a star pitcher. And then, of course, he's also married to Kate Upton. Yes, he is. And she's a rising star, so to speak, uh, herself in the modeling world and has done some acting. You know, I think that if you're going to go, he's not the Tom Brady Giselle, but Kate Upton is you know, certainly well known. So Verlander goes on Twitter and he says this, I declined to speak with the free press rep last night because of his unethical behavior in the past. What does that mean? I don't know, man, but those are serious accusations. I reached out to the Free Press multiple times before the game to notify them why and to give them an opportunity to have someone else there. Ironically, they didn't answer. Although I try to avoid this situation altogether, I've still reached out to the Free Press multiple times today with no response. They're still not interested in my side of the story. 
And uh, Detroit, the free press has responded and said they haven't heard from him. They would, uh, the sports editor said, I'd love to talk to him. I, I, I don't know. I mean, basically, and then so the Detroit Free Press has a, a, a tweet out that says the Houston Astros violated the MLB collective bargaining agreement on Wednesday when they were bro- blocked a reporter from interviewing pitcher Justin Verlander after his loss to the Tigers in Houston. MLB confirms. Well, of course they did. You cannot do that. I, I'm, I'm shocked that Verlander, who's in his well into his 30s and is a veteran and probably a Hall of Famer with all the strikeouts and everything that he's had, and pitched well. Pitched. I think he didn't even lose a game two years ago when they brought him over in July. He was sensational for Houston, and he's very good this year. And if you don't want to speak to somebody, I don't think they can force you to speak to them. I mean, right. the Russell Westbrook thing, you know, to, he just doesn't want to speak to the one uh, Barry Trammell we've had on our show many times, and now he's down in Houston anyway. So I don't know if it's a Houston thing, and he figured Westbrook's in Houston, so I'll do that too or what. But – you can't bar him from going into the locker room. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I know what the editor of the free press would say. He would say, I'm not going to let an individual player determine who covers what. That's what they would say. And obviously there's something going on here, maybe something personal. Well, unethical behavior, that's a serious allegation. That is serious. And it's almost as though, okay, if you're going to say something like that, the mind runs wild with what the possibilities could be. It. Is it just a matter that he thought this guy misquoted him? Or did he he hit on Kate? What what does that mean? Well, if you hit on Kate, it means he's got common sense. But uh, (laughs) other than that... I mean, for two years, though. Yeah. And knowing that, okay, I'm going to pitch, this guy's still covering. He had to obviously go back and check to make sure he was still doing the job because it was two years ago. And they switch up guys, guys being generic, not uh, particular to any gender. Uh, They switch beats all the time. So he went back and obviously knew that and then – wouldn't even let him in. He should have just let him in and, and just... Yeah, just uh, If he asks him a question, he doesn't have to answer it. No, he does know? not. But to ban him from the locker room, that, that's... It's bringing yourself more that's grief. A, that's a symbolic message he's trying to send. I've got power. Yeah. yeah. And, and most things are about power. Power and money. Power and money and agendas. They're what drive pretty much everything in the world. So, PK, you're coming into the locker room to do an interview after a game and someone official blocks you from the locker room or the clubhouse. Uh, How do you react to that? I keep going and make them physically touch me, and then hopefully someone is recording it. I was down in Albuquerque once, and I'm standing in the hallway. You walk up that ramp in the pit, and I'm standing in the hallway about – 30 feet away from the locker room and there's a coach comes out of course the coach had lost the game and he looks to his left what are you doing here you can't stand there get out of there so i go to the sports information director at for the university of new mexico i said i'm standing at the bottom of the l of the hallway is that acceptable for me to stand there he says yes so i go back and i stand there (laughs) 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 and the coach is yelling at me but i'm not moving because I'm where I'm allowed to be. And he gave up because <laughs> I wasn't going to move. You were going to have to physically remove me. I wasn't doing anything wrong. If I was in an area that was off limits, you know, like they don't like you to go in the training area. One time I was interviewed, I was in the, jet, in the Delta Center then, mm-hmm. and I'm in the locker room. 
and I'm in the visitor's locker room. And I'm going to do a feature on the Pistons or something. And John Barry is there. And he's getting a training on a training table, right? And you're not supposed to interview those guys. <clears throat> they don't really have a training room in the visitor's locker room, but they had a training area in the locker room. So I'm standing off to the side, and Barry catches my eye. You know, I give him a heads up, and, and he looks at me like, and then he waves me over. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, okay, he's given me the approval. Right. And so I go over there and start asking, he starts chatting me up. I respond. And then I start asking him a question for an interview. The trainers, whoever it was, medical people come over and just start screaming at me. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, it's embarrassing because you're in the locker room and and it's basically a condensed area and they're all looking at you and, you know, you're just this peon uh, and he's a big NBA player, you know, and I'm just trying to do a job here. And Barry looks at the guy, hey, relax, relax. I told him to uh, that it was okay. So we're, we're all cool here. Uh, and so it's fine. And then fast forward a few years ago, I'm down at Uncle Bill's down in Manhattan Beach. And, or I've taken you. You eat breakfast outside there uh, and you look down at the water. And he is sitting at the next table with a lady and another NBA player whom I've known since he was about 10 years old. And so I see they come and sit down. I look at the guy. We've known each other for 20 years. So we start talking, right? And we're carrying on a conversation, and the lady is carrying on. John Barry has, I think he has the, the Times or the Daily Breeze was in the area. And so you get the paper, and he never once, we introduced each other, he never once looked up and said hello. Not once. <laughs> After saving my embarrassment and it was just funny this time he he was he just totally shut us off it was it was weird it was bizarre mm. my two instances with john barry i met his brother brent last summer down at the hermosa beach volleyball open and he couldn't have been more friendly mm. yeah and he because uh, i said oh you know david Locke. hey how do you know Locke? and i said oh yeah. and then we both ripped Locke. and <laughs> <laughs> and brent oh my gosh brent couldn't have been couldn't have been nicer uh, getting back to, to Verlander on this whole thing. I mean, I've been banned from, from uh, covering a team before, and uh, I've had run-ins with other folks. I, I'll just say it this way. Institutions in the media will never allow uh, other institutions to determine who's going to cover a, a, an event or a team for them. They reserve the right to do that. Well, I can tell you that I was uh, requested to be removed from the University of Utah beat no less than four times. And they met with management no less than four times. And uh, each time, remember Holly Mullen was our sports editor for a while. Mm -hmm. And she told me, yeah, I had this meeting. And the meeting lasted about 90 minutes. And we would talk, and every 15 minutes it came up to getting PK off the beat and she said no no we're, we're very comfortable with him and then they talked some more and 15 minutes later she said it happened like four times <laughs> I know everybody who was involved in that meeting and it just makes me laugh <laughs> she told me the story that afternoon when she came back the only thing the only thing I can compare that to is one time PK was uh, summoned to an office by a supposed superior a boss and PK just simply told 
the person on the phone, he said, uh, no, I'm not coming in. And it, it's the boss demanded that you come in, and you said, no. It <laughs> <laughs> like still makes me laugh because he didn't know what to do. What do you do when someone says no? Well, I thought the point being, I wasn't just being obstinate to be a jerk, which I have been many times over. <laughs> this, but, this was a game you were playing, wasn't it? Well, I thought we could have the conversation over the phone. I didn't think it was that dramatic enough that I didn't have to drive in, in mm-hmm. and spend over an hour in commute time. I was thinking of the environment, the pollutants <laughs> that I would have put in the air through my automobile. So I was being environmentally sound. So I thought we can have the conversation on the radio and plus or on the phone. And who likes to be told what to do? Not you or me. In an aggressive manner. If it would have been done, nobody likes to be backed into a corner. Do it in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way. And believe me, I've learned some hard, hard lessons at home that way that I pay dearly for. And I wish I would have had a different tax. So I've been on both ends of it. All right. We'll put a wrap on the 5 o'clock hour with some BYU-Utah rivalry game talk coming up next uh, here on The Big Show. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. How much pressure is there on BYU in this game? All of the pressure. They've lost eight in a row. When you're on the other side of an eight and O streak, the pressure's on you. It's time for BYU to step up and make this rivalry competitive again in the win and loss column. Been competitive in the game, but eight in a row, the pressure's all on you to go change it. Yes, most of it is. There are people who are tired of this. Young BYU fan has never seen it happen. In your 20s BYU fan, they were pretty young and didn't realize that it wouldn't happen happen for a long time. Then you have older BYU fan. BYU was the dominant program. And they could never envision a decade like this. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. the big show. Patrick Kinahan sitting in for Jake Scott. I'm Gordon Monson. We've been out here at Homie having a good time today. And uh, PK, i got to ask you, uh, what, what do you think the big issues are heading into the BYU-Utah game, which is obviously a week from right You're now. talking about specifically for the game? Yeah, for instance, these are the six that I have. Okay, I have, go ahead. Can BYU's offensive line handle the Utes' defensive front? We've okay. talked a little bit about that. Are these in order or just No, whatever? not of importance, just okay. uh, six things. Uh, two, will BYU find a running game? Yeah. Three, which quarterback will be more effective, Tyler Huntley or uh, Zach Wilson? Number four, who has the playmakers? Number five, which team will emerge with the best kicking game? We discussed that earlier. And six, will focus and emotion overcome the disparity in talent between the Utes and the Cougars? So, you know, I have no problem with any of those. There's a couple things that I would add. And for BYU, they've had a number of playmakers on defense that they could point to, whether it's Warner, Taki Taki, Van Noy. We know those guys all in the NFL. So who are going to be the specific playmakers? Zane Anderson showed a little bit last year at a very good game against Arizona, and then we know he got hurt. And so is he going to be able to step in? They're going to need somebody. They're going to need a, a couple of players there in the in the Utah game. It was Isaiah Kafusi before he got hurt. So that 
question and then the same question a little more narrow on the focus for utah is of the two linebackers because their linebacker core last year was absolutely sensational cody barton is one of the most successful stories that i've ever been around in 30 years in of covering sports Mm -hmm. to see where he came from to where people at his own high school question why in the world that kid got a scholarship he's just in a scholarship because his his brother and his sister and his mother (laughs) i heard people tell me that Mm -hmm. and now he's a third round pick and Chase Hansen obviously was a great player unto himself also so I like Bernard Devin Lloyd has a great body I'm not sure they got a lot of depth back there and I, in fact I know they don't they need to have a couple of guys those two in particular to stay healthy so I want to see how the linebackers react because last year man they were so awesome and then you lose a kid like a Marquise Blair back there who was really good mm-hmm himself and and you lose him to the NFL also he's a teammate I believe of uh, Barton's up there in Seattle so those replacements how are they going to be the defensive line I got no issues defensive corners you know with uh, Jalen Johnson and moving uh, Blackman back they should be dandy but there are a couple of questions there I just add a couple more I wonder if BYU is going to run a lot of like crossing routes mid-range kind of routes that will test those linebackers a little bit well I think they're going to incorporate what we're going to see is last year Bushman I believe he was a little out of shape out of shape and it took a while they're going to hit him right from the start yeah no doubt about that lots to look forward to we're in the final countdown for that game it is uh, even though BYU is an independent and Utah is in the Pac-12 and has other concerns as well it's still an awfully fun game for the fans in the state of Utah uh, Emily have we caused you too much trouble here at home? Oh, today? no. No, you guys have been great. No, guys... we, we just were out in the hallway. We shook hands. After yeah. <laughs> everything is fine. Yeah, we're good. We made sure he washed his hands. We're, we're all good here. <laughs> Someone sent in a joke, by the way. It said uh, on Twitter or something. It said that... Uh, Someone from the Marines and someone from the Air Force went into the bathroom and they came. They came out and one of them didn't wash his hands. The one from the from the Air Force didn't wash his hands. The guy from from the Marines or whatever said, "In the Marines, we we teach people to wash their hands." And and and, and the uh, the guy in the Air Force said, "Well, in the Air Force, uh, they teach us not to." Uh, make our hands dirty to clarify to to make it a little more radio friendly not to uh soil our hands oh <laughs> so anyway i'm glad we got that straightened out i'm em- sure glad we got that straightened out emily why should people come here to homie because when i hear you talk about it it just makes so much sense you know it's it's more it, it, it it's less expensive mm-hmm. you end up getting money back yeah you have wide exposure you use all the technology to get the word out on your house and if you're buying a house, you can find a, a find a, a great house, a home that you're looking for using the same service. So I'm trying to figure out a good reason not to do it. Honestly, the biggest reason we hear when people say they didn't use Homey is because they had a friend or family member who is a realtor. And what we say to those people is at least negotiate. Don't pay them the full 6%. See if they'll give you the same deal we will. We've had a lot of people come back to us and say, because of Homey, I got my friend, cousin, brother, mother, whoever to do my listing for $1,500. And that just makes us happy because even if you don't use us, we just don't want people to pay as much money as they've been paying. So you're setting the industry standard. Essentially. Yeah, we're yeah. trying to reset it. Basically, uh-huh. we're trying to make it a new standard. 
the homie standard, which is a better standard because consumers win. Down homie, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I want to say we're sponsoring both BYU and U of U. So this next week's game is going to be very interesting around the office. Is it split down the middle? Uh, We're pretty split. Yeah. I have to say that I'm going for the Utes because that's who my boss goes for. But (laughs) smart move. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) That's really important. But we'll see. We're going to see a lot of blue and red around here. So. Hmm. So how can people contact you? What's the best way for them to uh, to activate your services? The best way is homie.com or on their phone, the homie app. All right. And yeah. one other thing, you said it's a one-stop shop. Yeah. What do you mean by that? We can do everything you're looking to do. Buy, sell, your loan, and your title work all under the same roof. That makes it darn convenient. So I'm convenient, all, so easy. Convenience. Yeah, and you save a ton of money, so why not? All right. Uh, come down and see Emily yeah. or call her <laughs> or uh, get on the website, yeah. I guess, and see what uh, what Homie can do for you. Awesome. Thanks, so, thanks a lot. Thank Emily. you so much. It's been it. super fun. <clears throat> PK? Yeah. You know what happens next? Uh, we continue, and Doc Talk goes to one of the other stations, but yeah, I forgot which Doc, one. Doc Talk is on the AM, 1280 The Zone, and uh, our, our show will continue on on 97. That's good. I need another That's hour, man. I haven't been able to express myself <laughs> long enough. You've only been going for, what, uh, seven so far today? Yeah, I, I need an eighth hour desperately. All right, you'll get it coming up next. <laughs> That'll wrap up a big show. PK, thanks for sitting in. Appreciate it. We've had a good time out here at Homie, and uh, you've gotten more and more comfortable over there as the show has gone on. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. You're lounging back there. You look, uh, you look totally at ease. I'm always at ease in front of a microphone. This is what I was meant to do. It's what I've wanted to do <laughs> since I first heard Sports Talk in Phoenix in tell, the tell, early me, 80s. tell people that story. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah, I used to work. Uh, I worked at a, when I was going to ASU, I worked at a park, and I worked in a park on the west side in ASU, the main campus. Now they got a, you know internet and, and uh, campus on the west side. But at that point, it was just on the east side. So I would drive about 30, 35 minutes after work at 10 o'clock every night. And they started... Uh, like probably 1981, 82, somewhere in there. They started a, a talk show, a sports talk show on KOY, which is an AM station down 55. And it would go from mid, from 10 to midnight. And so I would drive home Monday through Friday listening to this show. And you think yeah. that should be me. Oh, I thought this is exactly what I want to do because I always loved radio the most. I graduated in broadcasting with the intent of trying to get a job in radio. Because what's, I thought, the, what's the name of that school? The Walter Cronkite School of Broadcasting yeah. Journalism. Yes, absolutely. And so I graduated from there. Radio was always my first love. I thought that's where my whatever talent I had, I thought it was directed toward radio. And so you know, I tried for years to break in. And there, there was no all sports stations really until the 90s so i had to wait a little bit and i got up here by the time i got up to salt lake then then the sports station started to break into the all the 24 hours you know or at least local was more than just two hours at 10 to midnight and so i did everything possible to to get myself in and finally i did and here yeah, i am and i've been doing it for a long long time now yeah nice move on your part and he started on the print side so that, that's uh you know, yeah, because that's where the job was. Yeah, I mean, I needed to eat, obviously, but I always wanted to be, always wanted to do radio. For me, 
It's personally a dream come true. Well, our listeners are glad you did. Uh, DJ and PK every morning from 6 to 10. And occasionally on the big show and on all the shows, really, you sit in all the time when uh, guys are off on vacation or whatnot. So thanks for doing that. We appreciate it. Good to be here. And we'll have Bowler Jack on uh, sitting in for Jake tomorrow. Thanks for listening to us, uh, everybody. We do appreciate it. Austin, nice work back in the studio, my friend.